and welcome to another episode of the Podwell Travel. My name is Penny Thomas and I am a travel journalist here at The West Australian and today I am joined by travel editor Stephen Scalfield and I'm also joined by another travel writer and uh, expert photographer, Mullins Johansson. Thanks very much, Penny. Hi, Penny. Nice to have you. So today, uh, Stephen, you'll be chatting to us about a recent trip to Africa, which sort of has a a beginning, middle and an end. Um, You were sort of telling me about the journey. Um, But before that, we might go to Moens, if that's okay. Um, Who's actually just going to run us through a quick um, little sort of printer that you've got your hands on recently yeah yeah it's uh like we were just talking off air before about you know what you do with all these pictures that you might have taken in africa or any trip for that matter uh, and uh, obviously you know some some of us like to still head down and get some proper prints done and put them in albums and so on uh, but uh, there's a there's a product out from canon which is called a selfie printer uh it's a it's a fun little product it costs uh, the printer costs about 240 dollars it's about the size of a sort of good crime novel uh, (laughs) if i can put it that way in book book sort of size Uh, and it prints prints up to you know postcard size but but the fun thing about this product is not so much that you can print out pictures which is obviously very convenient but it's more that um, through your app on the phone or from an SD card you can you can print out uh, little collages of of pictures uh, and you can create sort of uh, fun little postcards of uh, a place Uh, you can put sort of borders around them and you can put uh, artwork onto them you can put text onto them and you can do all this on your phone uh, and then just press print it's Mm. brilliant you can be Uh, quite creative with them yeah yeah it's it's a lot of fun really Uh, i spent ages yesterday when this thing arrived just uh setting it up and uh and and having a play with it um, yeah, and it's the, it's a the really quality's really good, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's those sort prints of that you've got on the table here, the colours are really spot on. Yeah, so when when the printer prints it, it's it goes through the sort of uh, uh, process of it goes through the printer four times, sort of forwards and backwards, ones for yellow, uh, green, and red sort of thing, and uh, then it puts a the last process, it puts a, a, a sort of cover film over the 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 picture which canon says they'll last in an album up to 100 years so which is mm. pretty standard for uh photo quality prints generally speaking you know when we're speaking proper photographic paper um so so it's good in that sense uh, it takes about 40 seconds i think to sort of do a do a print and cost about 40 or 50 cents to produce mm. so like i said it's probably not the sort of thing you do if you just like Stephen, been to Africa and got, you know, several hundred pictures you might want to print off. Got six uh, sharp ones as well. <laughs> <laughs> so it's sort of for your hero images from a trip if you were sort of yeah. selecting some. Yeah, and also those, I mean, I think, you know, for family events it could be quite fun. You mm. know, imagine if you're, uh, you're – grandparents are over seeing the grandkids and that sort of stuff you can you know take a few pictures present them with a print straight away mm. it could be like weddings and mm. you know just events like that it can be a fun uh, product to have sitting there because ev- anyone who has a smartphone can just scan a qr code on the thing and connect to it um, and then 
if you download the app as well, then you've got the opportunity of putting all this sort of artwork and and uh, sort of personal touch to your your pictures. I so really like that. You know, you're saying at, a, at an event, at a gathering, or something. That's that's fantastic to be able to walk away. Yeah, and print, yeah. Isn't it, you know? I think so. It'll be a sort of talking yeah. point, really. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Watch what everyone sort of comes up with. Um, and it's also great that you you can just use your mobile. You don't need a, a Canon camera that sort of connects with it. So. Exactly. Yeah. But but you can. Uh, you know, there's a there's an SD card reader in the printer as well, so you can put your your card in and select your pictures. There's a kind of sort of a, a quite a large uh, LCD display on the top, which is sort of easy and intuitive to use. You can sort of work your way through what you want to print and go from there. So it's yeah, good yeah. little product for not very much money really. Does it plug into power? Yeah. Yeah. Or is it, it's not rechargeable? No, so no, it, it plugs into power. Okay. Power, yeah. Yeah, nice. Okay, well, thanks for that. Um, Stephen, I guess we'll, we'll go to you now, who's just returned from Africa. Yes, um, mainly Botswana and Zambia. Um, it was an extension of, you know, what we do as writers. Um, it was a travel club tour, you know, through West Travel Club. We partnered with Imagine Holidays, who did all the sort of the hard work, the bookings and things. But it was um, it was a project that was well. It's kind of the most difficult and interesting and easy tour that we've done in the sense that they were places. They're all places I know well. So, firstly, Zambia, Botswana were particular choices because they've been stable since um, independence. You know, sixties. So you've had. 60 years of stability, you know, very anti-corruption, which is pretty much the measure of success of African countries, you know. Um, And just uh, good conservation records. So everything about those countries, I knew I didn't have to worry about taking people to countries where things were going to be maybe tricky. You know, it's pretty like that. So firstly, Zambia, Botswana, anyone... Africa, if you want to see animals, you want to see culture, Zambia, Botswana, absolutely can't go wrong. Um, and over, you know, I mean, obviously, when you're looking at southern sub-Saharan Africa, you know, South Africa comes to mind. In all honesty, that would be sixth or seventh on my list. So okay. I think it's, well, that's that's the first fundamental for anyone listening. Um and then, as you as you said, you know, kind of from then on, it's like writing a story. It's, it's exactly like writing a story. So the beginning, Bush Camp, Okavanga Delta, um, Machaba Bush Camp. And there's a little trick here, which is that in national parks in southern Africa, guides have to stay on the tracks. If they go off the track, they basically lose their license. So if a lion is 200 metres away and they're on a track, the lion will remain 200 metres away. But Machaba bush camp and some of the bush camps in Okavanda Delta, but particularly in this Kwai Valley, um, is on a concession. It's a different kind of land category. Okay. Which means that if you see an elephant 200 metres away, they will come off the track and drive up to the elephant and it's two metres away, you know, so it's quite a difference. Right, quite close up. Yeah, it makes a big difference. So they can move around off-road on these, on a concession. Yeah. 
So day one, six lions. Wow. The standoff with a hippo, which gets out of the water and confronts them. And you're sitting there going, oh, it's eight o'clock in the morning. That's not a bad start. Uh, by the end of that evening, we were driving back in the dark, came around a bend on a track, and there was a leopard lying in the road in the headlights. And you go, well, that's not a bad finish. So that's concession is is an interesting thing to look for if you're planning an African safari because it's, it's a game changer. Mm. So Machaba, then Chobe River, which is very good for bird life. And of course, then there was, there's a change in texture because it is national park, so you are on tracks. But the game drives, a lot of them are in boats on the river. Oh, okay. Because everything comes down to drink. Yes. So suddenly you're looking at the front end instead of the back end, which is... How fascinating. Yes, it's good as a... There was one scene, Penny, wow. We're on a boat and all these elephants have come down to drink and they've got the babies and this and that and all that. But then they went up the boat and you've got time so you can just sit on a boat and watch what's happening. The baboons, the baboons are just kind of the bad boys of the bush. They're just always trouble, you know. They come down and cause a bit of trouble and then they go and then the elephants went up. And they'd actually got hot. They dug holes in the bank and they were putting their trunks in and they were literally shoveling out bucket loads of mineral sands mm. and eating them. I mean, just watching this mining going on for wow. mineral sand. So, Chobe River, different. So, it's it's just a different thing. Then we went on to Victoria Falls, which is pumping. I mean, the Zambezi at this time of year, end of the wet season, great time to go. So, once again, for anyone listening, thinking about Victoria Falls, yes, you've got to do Zambia, but Zimbabwe, the two sides of the falls. You've got mm. to do both sides. There's no question about that. And it's worth the $30 US to go over to Zimbabwe to see the other side. So um, stayed at the Royal Livingston Hotel, fancy, banks of the Zambezi, use your key card, your room key to get down to the falls. You're that close. Okay. Um, and then Elephant Camp, Zimbabwe, which is the transition back to a bush camp, and finished in South Luanga, which is in northeast Zambia. We had 11 flights, so we had like, charter planes for the group. So we were flying in small planes between places, which was pretty fancy. Mm. And then finished at a bush camp, but in a very different environment. So we kind of like where we started with an organic, authentic experience, but in a different environment. So it's kind of like the beginning, but different. So you know and I know it's a pretty classic story structure. Mm. I mean, it sounds like a real-life Flying King sort of movie, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. And it, it was so interesting for me, you know, as a – it's interesting for me as a writer and as a travel editor being with people experiencing these things because mm. it was very much – it was kind of my best of it. It was my wish list. So, yeah, it was very personal. And it was the result of, you know, many, many trips – in these places mm. so i kind of picked my favorite places and just wrote them in order and then you know shannon lees who's fantastic at imagine booked the whole thing which was a nightmare but anyway she did an amazing job um it included a f it included canoeing on the zambezi river which was compulsory oh really i was yeah absolutely compulsory so we did that with the hippos which is always interesting because hippos uh they're large creatures when you're sitting in a canoe, aren't they? Yeah, they're large creatures. Do you know a hippo can run 40 kilometres an hour on those little stumpy legs? Wow, that is faster than I would have thought. They're much more dangerous than... They're, they're the second most lethal 
animal in Africa. Wow. After the so mosquito. of course you get in a canoe absolutely and, oh, yeah, and it's compulsory <laughs> oh, oh, yeah one yeah it was always compulsory canoeing there was there was no way out of this for anyone because I wanted to go so they had to come with me so um, the guides at one stage were a lot, a lot of hippos the guides actually we we sort of stopped on the bank and I we held people there and the guides went down and then were banging their paddles on the water like flat, sort of slapping them on the water, trying to scare the hippos off or just, well, not, just move them. Or make them angry. <laughs> yeah, that exactly occurred to me, like, this could go either way. You know? and then we sort of, that would have made a great story. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And we sort of, we sort of snuck around them and then caught a bit of, there was a really good current, you know, it was flowing fast, so we sort of whizzed past them and I was pretty happy to get the group past that. Mm. Um so, Stephen, there were 18 pe- people as part of the group, is that correct? Yes, yeah, so we were a group of 18, which and is nice and small. many people done Africa or these parts before? No, quite a lot of new people. Look, there were, there were people who were new to Africa, mm. and this was the best of the best of. So I've, I've kind of spoiled them a bit. Perfect. Because anything after this will be, you know, I mean, this was my best of from, let's say, 25 years of travelling there, probably more. But anyway. Wow certainly the last 20 years this was my best of best of so yeah and it's unrepeatable you know so I I like that and it is I mean generally with Travel Club and what we do it's our kind of business model is to come up with an idea get away with it don't ask for feedback and never do it again Mm -hmm. so this was exactly that it's always interesting to see people react and I think as, as writers you know we learn from that because it's not that we become blasé, but we certainly become experienced. Mm. And so, you know, I mean, I've seen elephants on, you know, however many trips, you know, and lions and this and that. So I can go, well, yeah, this lion scene isn't quite as good as the one I saw in 2008, you know, whatever it is. Mm. But see people going, oh, my goodness, there's a lion right in front of me, you know. Um, and lions aren't really scary. Afri- elephants are more scary. Oh, I'm sure I would be a little bit scared, for sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, the sorry. thing about uh, safaris, I mean, I've only been on one, yeah. but I can imagine that each one, even if you go to the same place, would be so different. I mean, because you, you're not seeing yeah, you're you know, right. the same animals for, uh, for a start, but, I mean, uh, it, you know, the different behaviours and, and different sort of interactions. Yeah, that's exactly true. I mean, the guides, the guides are hilarious because they love Aussies. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They absolutely love Australian travellers. And they loved our group because wherever we went, guides have a pretty hard time. So, you know, if you've got a specific interest group or a photographer's group and, dare I say, different nationalities have a different kind of demands on the guide. So if you've got a group of photographers who want to photograph leopards, they can be very tough on guides. Like, you know, I want to see this, this, and this. Or just generally, I want to see this, 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 and this. And, you know, it's 11 o'clock and we haven't seen this. And, like, where is it? So the guides are flat out trying to supply what the guests the want. And what Mother Nature can bring. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's tough. and, and But you get some very uncompromising people. And if they're birding, they want to see this, this, and this, and this. And we're only here for two days and... They, they're not interested in excuses. They just want to see these things. Aussies turn up and they go, oh, what do you want to see? Oh, you know, whatever's out there, we'll be happy sort of thing. 
So the guys are going like, this is the easiest group ever because mm. they're going, oh, you know, and we're all there around a dung beetle. Go, oh, wow, it's a dung beetle, you know. The guys are like, <laughs> <laughs> you're kidding me. You know, everybody wants to see it's a leopard. Excitable. And we go, oh, yeah, you know, we'll see a leopard, that'd be good. But if you see a dung beetle, that's fine, you know. So Aussies are just great. <laughs> can, I, can I ask you, what sort of vehicles were you in when you were out and about? Yeah, the safari vehicles um, – Generally, well, no, not just Toyotas and Nissans, you know, so Hiluxes, Land Cruisers. So they sort of cut them off and then have rows of seats mm. at varying levels. Um, so for photographers, particularly if you're in the high back seats, which is a bit bumpy because you're hanging out over the end, but it's great. You can actually have a monopod, long lens. Um, we had, you know, some 500, 600 mil lenses there. Mm-hmm. And on a, on a good monopod and... You and I, I think you've got one too, the Sirui brand, S-I-R-U-I. Will's got one too, he's nodding. Um, That brand of monopod is really good in a safari vehicle, so you're not going to use a tripod Mm. and you're not going to get out because that's, you know... Dangerous? Dangerous, yeah. You just basically bait. You're just bait. (laughs) (laughs) You're just burly. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So uh, monopod. Long lenses, very good. Uh, uh, just on the f- photographic thing, I must say that some of the lenses now are coming without the monopod mount oh, the, under the, the lens. Collar, the the collar. collar. Yeah, yeah. So you have to buy the collar separately, and it's a really important thing to mm. do that if you've got a little super long lens, yeah, you, you don't want the monopod the- under the body of the camera. So anyway, um, I think all that preparation is really important because once you're there, it's just on. You're doing game drives two or three times a day, night mm. drives, and you just—it's too late. You're out of the bush camp, so really getting prepared was very important. Yeah, and often we do talk about traveling with our phones or our our, our biggest set of cameras, and you would recommend definitely taking a, a good. Look, look, I'm a bit torn, Penny. It's it's a very good. I'm, I'm a bit torn now because I was watching. People who, people, you know, guests who. This is where we learn. Mm. You know, this is this is the beauty of doing these things. I mean, I could be there on my own, just doing my thing. But, but watching how travellers travel is such an education for us. Mm. You know, and I was watching people who were just using their phones, who wouldn't consider themselves to be photographic, and they were getting really great collections because they're very familiar with the phones. Mm. And I was we. The photo walks with phones that we do. Some of the guests had been on our photo walks, Mones. That's good. Yeah, that so they were good, weren't they? <laughs> well, they'd got a lot. They got a lot of the tricks, you know, that that you pass on. So, but because they were doing, um, you know, stills, then naturally doing video and vertical video and this and that, they were getting really good collection of their journey. Whereas if you're moving between a camera and your phone, you're kind of thinking in different formats. And I, so I'm a little bit torn about that. I think that the people with phones are doing well. You just don't get the zoom. You mm. don't get that zoom quality. But and like you said, I mean, you're often you're often quite close, aren't you? But you're often yeah. yeah. To begin with, you were close. So yeah, the people with phones were getting as good. You know, we're getting yeah. good pictures because they've got a. I remember one time I was sitting in, you know, a safari yeah. vehicle. And I had my, you know, a big 400 millimeter lens, and there's two hippos, you know, sort of play fighting in a in a bit of water. And I'm thinking, wow, this is really good. And then, 
you know, once we're ready to move on, the uh, lady sitting next to me who was shooting on an iPhone, she says, is this any good? Well, actually, uh, one of the people traveling, he's coming in today, actually, um, for a catch up. And I'd said to him before we went, you know, we were talking about lenses. I said, you, you know, you can't be too long in Africa, which is true if you're in a game park. So if you're in a, in a national park or a reserve on the tracks, as I've said, mm. you know, you can't have a lens that's too long. Because if you're 600 mil and you're trying to get a lion under a bush 200 metres away, you know, you can't have a lens that's too long. But of course, on the concession, our first stay, mm. when they drive up to things, you know, suddenly you've got 100 to 400 and you can't get the whole elephant in it, mm. you know. So it was really, just photographically, and I've made this point, it, if you're interested in photography and you're you're sort of serious, I reckon that if you're going to buy a, I had Canon R7 bodies with me and they they performed so well. I'm so happy with them, but you just got to buy two. If you're serious, buy two bodies when you when you buy in. Buy the same. I know it's expensive, but spend the money then. Two bodies, two lenses, you're done. Okay. One body, two lenses, you're always changing and it's dusty and you never got the right thing on. Yeah, so. You won't miss anything. That's why, I mean, you just back to my previous job as a news photographer, most news photographers will carry two camera bodies, yeah. one with a wide-angle zoom, one with a telephoto zoom, and then you're ready for anything you, without yeah. having to switch you, lenses. Yeah. I th- and yeah. the settings are identical, you know, you just... Yeah. Yeah, it's just there. I think, you know, I say, I know it's... it's it's all money, but you know, if you look at, if you look at that kit, you're looking at two R sevens, an eighty to one fifty lens on one, and a hundred to four hundred on the other. So you've got everything, and you're looking at about six thousand dollars, which I know is a lot of money. But if you're serious, you're done. You're completely, utterly done. You know, and that kit was fantastic for me. So I was very, very happy. The quality of what I was getting was good. So yeah, that's I great. spent more money on a push bike. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I that's mean, you right. put it in context. I mean, it's sort of, sort of yeah. photography as a hobby is something that you can do all all your life. That's I mean, right. It's it's a it's an investment in and a yeah. long term investment. And, and, yeah, and old blokes like me, you know, we come from a dollar a click where you were buying Velvia, Provia, film processing it. You know, and it costs you a dollar a click, basically. Yeah. So, and now it's sort of once you bought the cameras, it's basically free. So, yeah, I think making that investment right up front just opens up your photography like you wouldn't believe. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And certainly in that circumstance, yep. Yeah. Nice advice. So. Well, it sounded like a great trip. We'll it have to uh, read about trip. it o- across the sort of travel pages and online. It was online. a great trip. <laughs> I loved it. I love being in Africa. And, uh, you know, we are all the children of Africa if you go back far enough. There's, there's something in our We're roots. Next, Penny. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're sure. next. Yeah, you're next, guys. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Okay. Um, well, thanks for that. I guess the last thing I just wanted to mention quickly um, was tomorrow, which will be the 20th, 20th. of April um, on a Thursday. Western Australia, actually specifically a place called Exmouth, is going to be the best place to sort of be in the world to see the solar eclipse. Um, it's been in the works for, I think, people have been planning for about three years. So it's a very exciting time for um, Exmouth. It's also school holidays. It's going to be packed. It's going to be busy. There's going to be lots going on. And the main event is the 
the eclipse, which I'm actually not sure what time that will occur. It's about 11 in the morning. Okay. Yep, 11 something, yep. And that's the best view you'll get from Exmouth, but we will sort of get a... Eighty percent. Yeah, which is we get 80% cool. in Perth. So. Yeah. I think if you just hold your hand up and just look between your fingers, that works. Or if you get the proper glasses that you're supposed to. <laughs> Probably the better advice, actually. <laughs> okay. Far more sensible. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Thanks for today. And um, we'll be back next week. Thank you. Thanks, Penny. Thanks, Penny.